Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to the 12th season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is organ donation and transplantation. I'm Anna Jaworski, your host, and we have a terrific show for you today. Today's show is Transplant Sisters, and our guests are sisters, Amy and Jessica Cohen. They are two very dear friends of mine, and my loyal listeners will remember Amy because she just came on the show last season to talk about growing up as a Heart Warrior sibling. And those of you who have been with me since the very beginning, you will remember Jessica because she was actually on the third episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Amy Cohen is Jessica Cohen's younger sister, and Jessica was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS. Amy was born heart healthy. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty of all of Jessica's health conditions in the first segment, and then in the second segment, we will talk with the ladies about growing up around transplantation as a regular part of life. And in the final segment, I'm going to be talking with these sisters about Jessica's book, The Hearts of a Girl, Their Mother's Health. And in the end, we'll ask advice that they have for others who are in the same situation that they have faced themselves. So welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Amy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Jessica. It's so nice to be back. Thank you for having me again. I am so happy to have these two lovely sisters on my show. So thank you, ladies, for coming on the show. This is going to be so much fun today. Jessica, since you're the oldest, I'm going to go ahead and start with you. And I said in the opening that you were born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome or HLHS. And I think for the rest of the show, let's just say HLHS because that's a little bit easier. Can you share with us briefly what your surgical journey was like for you from infancy to high school? I was born with HLHS. My parents didn't find out until I was four days old when I was actually heading into my first open heart surgery. From then, that was Fontan. I needed three subsequent surgeries, the fourth of which I was 13, was a revised Fontan. Unfortunately, three years after that, just about 16, I had just turned 16, I needed a heart transplant because my heart was in congestive heart failure. I had a pacemaker put in at 13, and it just wasn't sustaining me. Right. So it sounds to me like your mother carried you like she would any child, thinking that you were going to be born perfectly healthy. And instead, after you were born, your mom found out that you had a congenital heart defect. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because at that time, I was born in 83. They had no way of testing to find out if there was a heart condition. There was also no way of figuring out 
heart health at that point in time. I mean, I know now they can tell maybe like 20, 23 weeks if the babies have heart conditions now. I mean, my mom had a sonogram and nothing had shown up irregular on the sonogram and all her normal checkups. And that's all she could do at that point in time. I think the awareness and the knowledge of, oh, let's check to make sure everything is healthy, including a baby's heart, is so normal now. They just didn't do it back then. And right. you, yes, yeah, she didn't find out until I was born. And my cardiologist that I had had from four days old till I was 16, oh, there's something wrong. And sure enough, after he had come in the second day after I was born, he was like, we're in surgery two days later. Unfortunately, that was the only way that my mom found out. Right. So did you have the typical Norway procedure way back then? I had the Fontan. I did not have the Norwood because I had a revised Fontan at 13. Mm -hmm. I had a patch when I was five, I believe, put in. And I know I got like a little heart pillow for that when you have a patch done and that was part of the Fontan, but I didn't have the Norwood procedure. I know a lot of the babies now are having Norwood. I had just gone through the Fontan. Wow. I know it's a combination now. Right. My son was born 10 years after you in the 90s. He was born in 1994. Mm -hmm. And he did have a modified Norwood, but then he Mm -hmm. did not have the bidirectional gland like you. They just combined it. He went straight to the Fontan. And then just like you, he ended up having to have a modified Fontan. I think the important thing for people to know is that you had a Fontan revision, but Mm -hmm. even after the revision, even after the pacemaker, you had what's called a family Fontan. The Fontan was not able to help you sustain life in a quality way. Right. Right. It helped for a while. And I know it all depends on the person. It works for some people wonderfully. Some adults are still living with HLHS. And unfortunately, but also fortunately, mine didn't last me past 16. So Mm -hmm. it is possible, but in our case, not. Yeah. It was a really rough time for you, I'm sure, because you were in high school, and high school is difficult enough without having a failing Fontan physiology. And if you all want to have a better idea of what Jessica was facing, you have to get her book, The Hearts of a Girl. She does such a good job in the book describing what her life was like. Get the book, The Hearts of a Girl, and then you'll have all those questions answered. But let's go to Amy now and talk to Amy for a couple minutes. Amy, you're three years younger than Jessica, so that meant that she had already had two surgeries by the time you were born and only two years old, so you probably don't even remember any of that. But I know from our show last season that you did understand a lot more about Jessica's surgery when she was in high school. Jessica got that call that a heart was available for her when she was 16 and you were 13. So share with us what you remember from that day and that chapter in your life. Jessica and I have always been really close and we were doing something. I remember like it was yesterday. We were sitting up in Amy's room watching some sort of 
trauma life in the ER show. <laughs> You're kidding. Oh my God. No, <laughs> I'm not. No, no. Like we were sitting yeah, in the bed so- together. Yeah. Hanging out, watching some trauma hospital show. And it was a Saturday night. Oh my gosh. Okay. So there you were. Obviously, this is going to be really fresh for Jessica because it happened to her and she just wrote a book about it not long ago. So I'm sure it's really, really fresh. And you were only 13, right, Amy? So maybe it's not yeah. quite as clear for you. I remember what happened after that. We got the phone call and kind of like frantic. And Jessica mm-hmm. was supposed to have a make-a-wish the next weekend or something or two weekends. And she said, I'm not going to the hospital Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So I promised her we would go horseback riding after she had the transplant. And I do not like horseback riding. Oh, my gosh. That got her in the car. <laughs> oh, such um, a good sister. Yeah. Well, long story and, short. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt again. Just to clarify, we had been on a trip where we were horseback riding. Amy's horse freaked out. So it scared her. And I had liked it. Since then, I've refrained from wanting to go horseback riding because I don't want to hurt the horses. But that's how that happened. Oh, my goodness. So, Amy, (laughs) put aside her own fears and traumatizing experience with the horse because she knew that that would motivate you and get you into the car. Okay, so tell me some more, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long car ride, it felt like, because we were trying to call our grandparents and they weren't home, but our great-grandma was. We didn't want to exactly tell her what was happening and freak her out. We went to the hospital. My mom's friend, Barbara, met us there, and our uncle met us there. They got Jessica prepped, and we all walked to the operating room and said goodbye. And then really long night, like 12 hours later, they came out and said she was doing okay. And then not exactly sure like how long after that we saw her, but it was a really long night in the waiting room. So my mom and I were cuddled up together and trying to sleep off and on and very worried and scared, obviously. Then she was in the hospital for a month after that. I don't know. I was there a lot. I missed a bunch of school, which was great for me. Um, (laughs) I didn't like going to school anyway. It was just a very crazy time, very Mm -hmm. traumatic and people don't know what you're going through and it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. and nobody really understands at that age what you're going through and it was a difficult time, but good also. Right. One of the things that I've appreciated getting to know you ladies and I feel really blessed because I don't have this situation with all of my guests, but I've actually been able to meet Jessica and Amy and their mother, Eileen, face to face (laughs) on more than one occasion. And we have had some very long dinners and very long conversations. I feel like I'm very close friends with you. And I know from having met with you and had dinner with you and shared stories with you that this whole situation brought two sisters who were already close, even closer. Yeah, very much so. And even with our mom, too. I think there's there's just something that kind of happens. You can't really put your finger on it, but I think it's you appreciate your support system. You appreciate the people you have so much more. Yeah. So, Jessica, tell us about the health crisis you faced when you finished your bachelor's degree from DePaul. 
I was actually in really good health for the most part throughout my undergrad. I was behind maybe two and a half years. So I finished my bachelor's in business management at DePaul. Amy finished at the same time as well because I was two and a half years behind. I had caught up to her. We graduated in 2008. And then a few months after graduation, I had gotten a job at one of the stores at the mall. My back hurt. My feet hurt. Like It was so hard to stand. I was having other issues, having trouble breathing. I was in the ER a couple times. And one time I was admitted because I had fluid around my heart. I think it was for a few days. It might have been a week. A doctor had come into my room that I'd never met before. He's from nephrology, the kidney doctor. He's like, has anyone ever told you you might need a kidney transplant? I was by myself at the time, and mom and Amy had stuff to do, so I'm okay, except in these moments. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, no one's told me anything about this. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, at some point soon, you're going to need a kidney transplant. I don't even think I remember saying anything back to him until he, all right, have a good day. And I was like, frozen. And I remember like, tears starting to, uh, completely. And tears started to roll down my face. I called my mom right away. Mm-hmm. She couldn't understand me, so I was frustrated. What are you saying? I'm like, I was just told that I need a kidney transplant. It was literally out of nowhere that we were told. But unfortunately, that's one of the side effects of one of the medications that I'm on for life. We weren't told side effects that extensive. That was an interesting time as well. Out of the blue, I think that whole period, I was in shock still. So at that point... I had no idea that I was facing another transplant. Texas Heart Institute were offering us a mechanical heart, and he said, no, Dad, I've had enough. Give it to someone who's worthy. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Whatever strife or conflict that we experienced in our long career together was always healed by humor. Heart to Heart with Michael, please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Before the break, we were talking with Jessica about her health issues after she was finished with her bachelor's. And if I'm not mistaken, you ladies were living together, right? Can you tell me what that time was like for you? We were living together all through college, and I would go with her to the hospital. And mom, we kind of gave her a break. And if she really needed to come down, we would tell her to come down since she lived in the suburbs. I kind of felt I was her caretaker and I needed to be in charge and make sure she was getting the best care, obviously, if she couldn't advocate for herself. And so a couple of times we had gone to the ER, she would be really sick and we're in our early 20s. You have to make all these big decisions and 
just be smart about it. It was difficult, but we learned a lot. We learned how to take the CTA, which is our public transportation, instead of trying to run to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, that would not be so great. So you were actually watching your sister go from being pretty healthy because once she recovered Mm -hmm. from the transplant, she had several good years before she started to have health issues. Isn't that true? We were kind of living a normal life. Not a lot of people except our close friends knew about her transplant and her being sick. And then all of a sudden she got sick again and we started to tell people and it was frustrating. Definitely. You know, we were semi-normal quote-unquote college students and then all of a sudden it was we're back in this bubble of going to hospitals and doctor's appointments and one thing after another is wrong so it was disheartening and frustrating and we became closer obviously through it all we still argue and we still live together so (laughs) I love it that you girls had a normal (laughs) relationship on the one hand you're saying how you felt even though you were the younger sister you still felt Mm -hmm. responsible for helping to take care of your sister but you weren't afraid to go ahead and have a sisterly fight if you needed to no we definitely could throw down when we were younger we got into some fights we had our fair share and it's more rare now but there are still those sisterly fights yep and, and that's just the way it is. I have a sister myself. I know exactly what that's like. Your sister is the one person you can fight with and know that she oh, will yeah. always love you no matter what exactly. you say or do. You're, exactly. you're, you're safe with her. <laughs> and yep. it's going to be okay. Yep. I want you to tell me, Amy, because I felt so close to you when I was reading Jessica's mm-hmm. book, The Hearts of a Girl. And it was talking about when her kidneys really started to have problems and she was facing dialysis. So mm-hmm. tell me about what dialysis was like for you. And, and then we'll talk to <laughs> oh Jessica about what it was like for her. <laughs> it was the very first dialysis treatment. She was an inpatient. And so we went up the elevator. She was in the bed and there's all these people in the dialysis lab. And I immediately felt really lightheaded and nauseous and I don't know what it was maybe it was a smell or seeing people getting something done but I basically disappeared and found the bathroom because I had to throw up. I think you're such a compassionate and loving sister you had a visceral reaction to what your sister was going to be going through. And that happened at least three more times um, that I went with her for dialysis. (laughs) There was the week before the actual transplant that she needed a couple of dialysis treatments, and we were staying at a hotel really close to the hospital. And so one time we went, that happened again. I just felt very nauseous and sick and had to excuse myself. And then the next time she <laughs> was in the middle of dialysis and she sits up, and you're not supposed to sit up very fast. You have to go slow and you have to tell a nurse. She literally, (laughs) her eyes rolled back in her head and she was like, get a nurse. I got a nurse and then I disappeared again because I felt nauseous. Ever since the kidney transplant, I have an adverse reaction to smells in hospitals now and seeing people in pain. um, Yeah, it's it's probably almost like a PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder experience. Okay. Yeah. And so some of our listeners don't know 
where the transplanted kidney came from. So do you want to tell us about that? Sure. It all kind of happened very fast, slow at the same time. Jessica and I were a near-perfect match, and so I gave her my left kidney. I have an incision on my left side, kind of like bikini line, and then they also they opened me up, but they also went in laparoscopically, so I have four little scars on my stomach. What was it like for you to know that your sister was giving you a kidney that you needed to not have to be on dialysis any longer? I didn't want her to. I didn't want her to have any experience, surgery, pre and post. I didn't want her to have to go through anything like that. At first, I told her she couldn't donate. We see, obviously, how fast that turned around (laughs) because she was a near-perfect match. She wanted to donate. I really had no other choice. So luckily, she was a near-perfect match, and I probably, you never know, because the wait for a kidney just gets longer and longer. So I honestly could have been on dialysis for five, six years. I definitely don't think I could have lasted that long, to be honest, because three, four weeks of dialysis was a nightmare as it was. I know, Um, and your poor sister was in the bathroom throwing up every other time. I mean, I I do remember some of those occasions where I just turned around and like, where is she? And, you know, it became a running joke because when I didn't see her, I knew she was in the bathroom throwing up. I think she gave you the kidney out of self-defense. So she wouldn't have to. It might have been, but she's so hypersensitive (laughs) now, like she said. She's so hypersensitive, like she said. It's pretty funny to just be like, are you okay? Like, you got this? I just didn't want her to feel the pain because I know that would be nowhere near if I wasn't here. Ultimately, I literally had no choice. We continued on. And I think at that time, over 100,000 people were waiting for a kidney or something. It's pretty high. So the wait alone was six years. I was very lucky. I was lucky to have somebody who could donate. Not a lot of people do. And if the shoe were on the other foot, Jessica, do you think you would have hesitated to give Amy your kidney? No, no, no question. I love you girls. You girls are so awesome. I love you too. Yeah. Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. 
Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Well, Jessica, when I was reading your book, The Hearts of a Girl, and everybody should get a copy of this book, The Hearts of a Girl, there will be a link on my website so you can just go straight to the ordering process. You have to get a copy of this book because she goes into so much more detail. And we were just saying during the break that there's no way we can talk about everything in the book. But what I do want to talk about is even though you know your sister's a match for you, things didn't go completely smoothly. Tell us about how all of a sudden this surgery gets postponed, not once but twice, and what Amy and your mom had to do to make this a reality for you. First time the her kidney transplant was postponed was because she didn't have enough insurance coverage. Yeah. And didn't it say and in so, the book that you needed a hundred thousand, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, well over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of that, I was trying to figure out how are we going to pay for this if you have to pay out of pocket. And even though hospitals say that they're nonprofit, they don't really do anything for free. So I went online and started an online fundraiser and set that whole thing up, and we raised more than $42,000 in less than 30 days. And so because of that, the hospital found out we were doing news stories and newspapers were coming to the house and talking to us because we got some notoriety from this. And the hospital cornered us one day, Jessica and I, and said they were going to postpone the transplant again because... um, We had to prove that it wasn't my personal finances, um, which we did. So... With the Medicare, you can't have a certain amount, and they didn't want to mess that Mm -hmm. up, and it wasn't going to be. So we had to, like, make sure we had to get letters from my medical trust fund and from the fundraiser that Amy was doing from the founders of that saying, no, this is not personal funds. Right. You know, it's going someplace else. And if you need a medical trust fund for organ transplant, you should contact the Children's Organ Transplant Association, and they're based out of Indiana, and they're the nicest people. And she's had her trust fund there for more than 19 years now. Yeah. Right? So, you know, and that will cover, like, any bills or medication or anything, which if insurance doesn't cover or you don't have money, that's what you can use. So you just submit your receipts and stuff and they'll pay it. Yeah. So that was also part of where we were going to get money if we needed money. They would come in and say, how much Mm -hmm. do you need? Write or send a check to cover outstanding bills or anything we needed to make up that. So the first time it was postponed because you simply didn't have a trust fund set up or any of that extra money. The second time it was postponed because they were afraid that you were pocketing this money personally instead of having it set up properly. So then what happened? After proving it, everything was back on schedule, but because they postponed it, she needed more dialysis than she would have needed if they hadn't postponed it. Sure. And that must have been scary for you because you knew you didn't do well watching your sister (laughs) on dialysis, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But then they finally said, okay, This is all set up right. But I know it wasn't quite that simple because I know that your mom was also behind the scenes and she was pulling some strings too. Jessica, tell me a little bit about what kind of advocacy your mother was doing. She was 
helping with the fundraising. She was contacting people at the radio stations, news outlets, anywhere she could contact just to get the story out there and say, hey, this is what's going on. She contacted the people at the hospital that were telling us that we couldn't go ahead with the transplant. She was not happy. So I feel bad for the people that she yelled at, but I really don't feel bad. I'm I'm sure she was a mama tiger. Yeah, that wasn't, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, she was doing what she had to do. So she basically was just making phone calls, contacting anyone she could, saying this is what's going on, not right. Yeah, didn't she even contact a senator in your state? Yeah, so uh, Senator Mark Kirk, he had helped push through insurance coverage quicker because I was waiting on them. Medicare to come through. Medicare was the one that was covering everything. My insurance at the time only went up to $30,000. So he pushed through the Medicare. He pushed us through in less than two weeks. So with that and then the fundraising, they had no choice but to be like, okay, here's the third scheduled time we were able to be put on the calendar. You hold your breath up until that point. It came. It wasn't canceled. But my mom was literally on the phone with Mark Kirk's office, I think, every other day. And she was amazing. Very nice. Yeah. And they were very helpful. And Mm -hmm. it's not usual that you say that. At that point in time, for what it was, they did everything they could. Right. The thing that I found really interesting when I was reading your book, Jessica, was that in addition to all the health issues that you were having to deal with in the course of your life, your mom was also having her own health issues. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you're dealing with your mom's health issues right now? I know in the book, you talked about her being a breast cancer survivor, but now she's dealing with something totally different. Yeah, it's been really difficult, actually. We found out she was in congestive heart failure almost a year ago. It was like mid-August. And August, she had a pacemaker put in in early September. And she had her pacemaker redone three times to try and connect it. There's connection issues that she's dealing with now. But there's also a real possibility that she's going to end up needing a heart transplant, which was like, it's so hard for us to even wrap our heads around it, talk about it. It's like, where did this come from? It's literally like, again, we got knocked out in a fighting match because you didn't see it coming. Right. At all. She just went to see my transplant doctor on August 2nd. And we just take it one day at a time. We're always calling. How are you feeling? She's still the same person, but she's changed a little, if that makes sense. Sure. I think something like this has to change you. It's one thing to be Mama Tiger and to be the advocate for your baby and to fight like crazy. And I know you weren't a baby, but I'm a mom. Your children are always your babies. (laughs) It doesn't matter how old you are. But then it's something totally different to be Mm -hmm. older, to have experienced Mm -hmm. it vicariously through your child, and now to know you are facing that yourself. And I know Eileen, I'm sure she is putting on a brave front. She doesn't want you girls to be worried about her. And yet she's facing probably, aside from her breast cancer scare, this has got to be the most frightening thing that she's ever had to confront medically. Yeah. I mean, 
there are no words. I know I'm not a patient patient. I always say that to begin with. So my role has shifted to being a caregiver and I hope to heaven above that Amy doesn't have to face anything. And, and that's partly why we're doing this study. There's a genetic and genome study to see if it's a genetic condition that runs in the family or not. So we're not sure if this is genetic or not for mom yet. I think it's fascinating right. that all of you have decided to take part in this genome study. So maybe you can answer some questions. Is it a genetic mutation or is this something that's acquired on your mom's part? And I yeah. think until you actually take part in this study, you're not going to know. And you right. ladies are actually going to be providing some data that might answer some questions that all of us have regarding mm -hmm. this condition. I think it's fascinating. Right. There's a possibility that none of it's genetic, but my uncle is also having issues with his artery and his heart. Grandma, oh, wow. our great, yeah, our great grandma had a minor heart condition. So we don't really know um, right. until this is, is tested. So it'll be interesting. And how many family members are taking part in the study? Four of us. So Amy, me, mom, and our uncle. Wow. So Amy is the yeah. only one who's completely asymptomatic, right? Right. Friday, I'm going to have an echo and an EKG, and they're going to take blood from all of us, I think. But you're still asymptomatic. Right. You haven't had any right. symptoms of congestive no. heart failure or any mm -hmm. kind of problems. Amy, tell me what advice you would have for somebody whose loved one has been told they're going to need a transplant. Definitely talk about it. Confide in each other and friends. I think just staying strong and it's definitely hard. It's shocking and I feel like I always have to be like the strong one. So and it's totally okay to be vulnerable and you know, I've cried a few times and be open to what's going to happen, but also be hopeful and you can pray about it if you want to. Letting people know how you feel and being there for each other. Right, it's right. It's okay to be sad and upset, but you just really have to be strong, I think. Be strong. Yeah, I think you do have to be yeah. strong. And I think you're right, though, that it's okay to be vulnerable. And I can't imagine being in your shoes and not shedding some tears. Mm -hmm. How frustrating yeah. to see someone you love go through something and you're fairly powerless to do anything about it yeah. until you weren't, mm -hmm. until right. your superpower was, hey, I'll just give her my kidney. And well, at <laughs> least take care of this one problem, but you couldn't give her your heart. Right. It's different when you're talking about a heart transplant than a kidney transplant. Mm -hmm. And to watch her needing a heart and now your mom, mm -hmm. it's got to right. be so unbelievably frustrating. Well, yeah. Jessica, you've been in your mother's shoes. You've been where you're in congestive heart failure. The pacemaker's not working. Things are not going the way you want. You've been told you need a transplant. Tell us what advice you would give someone like your mom. I think... Amy and my mom, and they always tell me I'm strong, but I think they're in more ways than one way stronger than I am because I literally broke down and I try and tell her what to expect or what they're going to say or try and explain certain things or if she has a question. But if I weren't telling her, if I was telling somebody else, I would be like, just 
keep going. Just stay strong. Listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Rest when you need to rest. Don't push yourself more than you need to. We tell mom that too. Like, okay, well then just rest. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just one of those things. You just don't want to have to talk to a parent about it. Sure. And tell her what to expect. Yeah. It's very hard to talk to her about it for me and for Amy, but... Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but our, our no, dad you're fine. asked us, he pulled me aside and he's like, well, so what should I be looking for? Like, what do you remember about Jessica being sick and waiting for a transplant? I'm like, well, it's completely different. She had been sick for a long time right. when she needed a transplant. And with mom, it's like coloring, like look at her face, like appetite. Is she tired? It's like, mm-hmm. what do you tell somebody? Yeah. It's hard. Definitely difficult. Yeah. I mean, she saw the doctor. There's a chance that if they can get the pacemaker working to where it's actually working, then she can lay off the transplant talk. They're still going to list her just as a safety net, which still throws me off. Like thinking she's on newer medication that's supposed to be really good for CHS. She's also working with my doctors at Northwestern to try and get this pacemaker back up and working. It'll help her with her functioning. We're hopeful that that's going to make the difference with the medication she's on and then fixing the pacemaker. But it is completely different for me, you know, in the fact that I was sick for so long and it never really went away until after the transplant. And this just has been less than a year which is also super scary that they're already talking transplant. Right. It's just been a complete mind bender, I think. Yeah. So I can see Uh, your struggle where you remember what it was like. You don't want to be talking about that constantly because you have to have some downtime where you can focus on the latest television show or going to see a movie. Right. And we don't anything else. (laughs) And I don't, exactly want to rehash it all because she knows it not like she doesn't know it it's just a totally different perspective right I think having you girls so close to her she's so lucky that you're not all the way across the United States but you're very very close in location to her and I'm sure that's a comfort to her because you can be there you can drop everything and be there for her Mm -hmm. If she needs you. And I know her well enough to say that she wouldn't be afraid to reach out to you girls. Oh, no. 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 You guys are like the three musketeers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what I love about you. I mean, it's one for all and all for one. I mean, that's just kind of how she brought us up, you know? It Mm -hmm. It was... us three for a long time going through medical stuff, the three of us, and then it just continues that way. Yeah. I am so happy that you ladies came on the show today and talked about this. I'm not happy your mom is facing this, but I do feel good knowing that the three of you are together on this. And if there's any trio 
that can overcome <laughs> obstacles like this. I know it's the three of you. You've been there before. You have faced uncertainty and you've triumphed over it. Eileen, I know you're going to be listening to this. I know you've got this. <laughs> you've got these two yeah. amazing daughters. You have friends like me and so many other people out there in the heart world who are applauding you and cheering you on. And I know you've got this. It's not going to be easy. It's not. We already know that. But you can do it. I hate to draw this show to an end on that note, except that I think it's a positive note. And I think that the three of you are proof that love can conquer amazing odds against you. And I know that your love for each other can help you to come through this and end up on top. Thank yeah. You. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. much for coming and sharing. I know this was tough to talk about, but I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk about it and share this really unique experience. Hopefully there aren't a whole lot of people out there who are having to experience the same trauma that you have over and over again. And yet I'm so inspired by you because you all have triumphed over all of these obstacles and I'm inspired by your story. There's so much more in that book that we didn't get a chance to talk about. So that just means that you'll have to come back on the show, Amy and Jessica. <laughs> well, I okay. have no problem doing that anytime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, thanks again for coming on. And thanks for listening today, my friends. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time or anytime. That's the beauty of the podcast. Once it's released, it's available 24-7 please find our program on iTunes and write a review for us so other people know what to expect with Heart to Heart with Anna. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time.